Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's episode 299. We're getting ready for our 300th show next week. This edition of How Do We Fix It? is a needed tonic. When some of us are consumed with rage and toxic polarization, love yourself and humanity. Here goes. Everything is so mediated by how we're responding on social media. A lot of us don't take the time to actually develop healthy relationships with ourselves as separate from how we interact on social media, nor do we know that, that such a thing is worth doing. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? You know, a lot of our shows deal with the growing intellectual movement that stands a little bit outside the usual political divides of right versus left. This movement that, that we like doesn't really have a name, but you could call it heterodoxy, being open to ideas from different sides. Our guest today is certainly a heterodox thinker, but more than that, she wants to teach those skills to others. She wants everyone to think for themselves. Chloe Valdery is an entrepreneur and educator who has created a fascinating program called The Theory of Enchantment. It's a curriculum that teaches personal resilience, but also tolerance for other viewpoints. Chloe joins us from New York. Welcome to How Do We Fix It? Thank you for having me. The bedrock of your work is something you call the three principles. Can you just get us started by listing what those principles are? The first principle is treat people like human beings, not political abstractions. Second principle is criticize to uplift and empower, never to tear down, never to destroy. And third principle is try to root everything you do in love and compassion. So let's start with the first one, Chloe. What do you mean when you say we are human beings and not political abstractions? Yeah, I think this is uh, the first principle because it's one that's sort of taken for granted and a bit elusive um, at first glance. It's like, of course, we're human beings. We're not trees or rocks or, you know, um, but we take for granted the, the human condition and the fact that as human beings, we're capable of change. Um, we're capable of incredible potential, both in the in the good sense and the, in the negative sense. And we also take 
for granted the fact that as human beings, um, we all deal with a various set of uh, complex issues, including this issue of vulnerability, the issue of imperfection, the issue of making peace with our mortality. Like this is what it fundamentally means to be human. And how does that apply to the current moment? I, I'm thinking especially of of social media, where it seems that so many people are objectified by others. Yeah, I mean, I think for a whole host of reasons stemming from how algorithms are shaped, social media triggers us and incentivizes us to caricature one another, to put people into boxes, to assume um, that snapshot experiences of each other uh, you know, can can suggest the full complexity of the human being, which is just not true. Another thing I'd say is that if you think about the difference between our our limbic system in our brains and the prefrontal cortex of our brains, um, and you know, sort of like the lizard brain aspect of the lim- limbic system, social media is definitely oftentimes triggering that aspect of of our brains. And so, if we can sort of get out of that and come into the, the present and realize that not everything requires that sort of response. Um, and certainly not everything requires a fear-based response. Um, I think we would be able to be in better relationship with each other. So some people with a big idea write a book or they go on lecture tours, but you started a company to teach your ideas to other people. Uh, and tell us about that company. Tell us about the theory of enchantment. Yes. So the theory of enchantment takes those three principles that I mentioned earlier and really turns them into a practice um, through a 25 lesson course um, and basically instructs people on first how to be in a healthy relationship with themselves. And then after you've learned how to be in a relationship with yourself, you can learn empathy, you can build a capacity for compassion um, and be in relationship with your neighbor. So the course is all about that. It uses a lot of tools found in developmental psychology. It's based upon Abraham Maslow's um, you know, idea of this hierarchy of needs with self-actualization and transcendence being at the top. Also teaches important skill sets like stoicism. Um, but in addition to all of these educationally rooted tools, it's very it's also a very fun course because it uses pop culture to reinforce a lot of the teachings. So for example, when we teach stoicism, we talk a lot about Marcus Aurelius, um, and some of the things he taught, um, but we also bring it to the present and we use the Lion King as a way to sort of like see stoic values play itself out in a particular story. Well, let me ask you about that. How do you use the Lion King? You know, Simba in the Lion King starts out as a very juvenile, immature, egocentric being um, who thinks that the purpose of kingship is all about brushing up on his mane and having the loudest roar. He confuses bravery for recklessness. Um, So there's a lot of that in the beginning of the film. And in Stoicism, um, one of the most important teachings of Stoicism is to meditate on your mortality, to remember that you are mortal and that you will die. And one of the first things that Mufasa tries to teach Simba before he dies in the beginning of The Lion King is this essential claim, is this essential truth. He says, you know, we're all connected in the great circle of life. I won't be here all the time with you. One day I will pass on. Um, And so Simba and his uh, very youthful jubilance can't quite understand this. Um, And Simba has a rude awakening when his father dies, when Mufasa is killed, which he initially can't handle, right? So he goes into exile. Um, 
But he must learn to make peace with this fact and understand what it actually means to be king, which is taking responsibility for your actions and um, taking responsibility for those under your leadership. You really can't run away into exile, away from those responsibilities. Um, And of course, this idea is very much embodied in the entire song, uh, The Circle of Life, which is both the opening song of The Lion King and the point of The Lion King. Like Simba has to actually learn and internalize the meaning of The Circle of Life um, in order to become king and take his rightful place in the Wow. Okay, when can I sign up for this course? <laughs> you, can, you can sign up anytime. It's online. <laughs> so so how does it work exactly? You have instructors who go into schools, or, you, or is it something that schools take the curriculum from the theory of enchantment? Or how do people go through these modules? Our course is on an online platform called Teachable. If you are a school, now I recognize that it is very difficult for schools as a whole, especially now with COVID-19, Um, to make social-emotional learning purchases. When we think of social-emotional learning, we think of how to give students not only the capacity for IQ, but for EQ, for emotional intelligence, to have the necessary tools, again, to be in a healthy relationship with both themselves um, and their peers. And this is especially relevant um, for teenagers, you know, Gen Z, any teenager is in a developmental stage in their life at the moment. Their brains are still developing. They're developing hormones for the first time. They're still having to navigate uh, this, this crazy world. And they, and they need tools to be able to teach them how to do that. What's the inspiration for that lovely title, The Theory of Enchantment? Yes, so it's a great question. The first, the primary source of inspiration is, I'd say, that The Theory of Enchantment really helps awaken people to the wonder of their own lives by taking them through this process of self-discovery, by teaching them in an internalized way that human beings are capable of incredible change for the good, Um, incredible, what I would call the redemptive process of being transformed from, you know, engaging in bad behavior to engaging in good behavior. Um, And that wonder and that joy, I think I I very much associate with this concept of enchantment because it's it's a feeling full of awe um, and, and I think it changes one's relationship with one's life once one goes through the process. But in addition to that, um, you know, enchantment is already associated with Disney, um, it's sort of like the enchanted forest, this idea of, um, discovering, you know, discover, discovering truth through fairy tales and through, um, age old stories is something that is a theme that runs throughout the course. Your course and your writing pass on this idea that pop culture can be very important. And I often think it's dismissed as being just merely you know, two or three minute love songs or movies that are purely for entertainment. But Disney and Beyonce uh, can be really inspiring for people. Could you Explain why, in the case of Beyonce, that she is this such a strong force in the lives of especially young women. Yeah, so I always like to say that if we believe that certain wisdom is timeless, if there's such a thing as timeless wisdom, then we should expect to see them in contemporary form. Um, And so I think that pop culture, broadly speaking, embodies that. In terms of Beyonce, I'd say... um, you know, Beyonce represents and has painstakingly uh, crafted an image that is associated with this a very specific archetype, which is the archetype of the 
uh, divine feminine, the benevolent mother. It's an archetype that has been talked about by Carl Jung and um, Joseph Campbell and others who, you know, sort of uh, talk about this kind of concept of the hero's journey. So um, Beyonce has embodied this in a lot of the art and visual albums that she's put out. Um, but what she's doing in, in a lot of these pieces is embodying this concept of the benevol benevolent mother, the divine feminine, which is why so many women see themselves in their and their potential reflected in her artwork. Um, not only because she does it so well, but because she is paying ode to a timeless archetype that has existed in, across multiple cultures in multiple countries, um, which I think is also really cool because it shows you how interconnected we are as a species. I love it when Joseph Campbell comes up on the podcast. So um, it's not just pop culture and pop music, though. Uh, you also have students read James Baldwin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think James Baldwin was one of the few um, cultural critics writing in the 50s and 60s who um, introduced a psychological lens to the challenges of race and racism in America. Um, he he wasn't only speaking about sort of what you hear today today a lot in a lot of circles, which is just the external structures, but he actually talked about the internal structures of the human condition, um, what caused people to become prejudiced in the first place, which has a lot to do, do with um, insecurity and self-contempt and overcompensation. For example, in his essay, The Fire Next Time, he speaks about the racism of white America, but he also speaks about the racism of uh, folks in the Nation of Islam, for example, and where they were coming from. And so his he, he presents a very broad and holistic lens um, that is critical and very much incisive, but also is ultimately in an attempt to have compassion for the people even that he's critical of. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're speaking with Chloe Valdery about the theory of enchantment, which is also a company that she heads up. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. And we're back. There's a political ideology out there that seems to be everywhere today. Sometimes it goes under the label of intersectionality or critical race theory. You, you see it in books like White Fragility. It says basically the most important thing about a person is what group are they in? You know, how, what identity labels can you put on them? Race, gender, sexual orientation. Your work goes in a different direction, doesn't deny these identities, but maybe wants to transcend them. But I, I, 
I guess I'm wondering why is this intersectional viewpoint so uh, so dominant today? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure I know the answer to why it's become so popular. Uh, you know, it's definitely an academic thing more than anything else. I don't think that the I don't think that the average person necessarily subscribes to um, this, even though they may be familiar with the terminology. If you were to explain what the terminology means. I think the average person would actually not agree with all of the details, but I would also say that um, there is, I think, a bit of a crisis of meaning that we're dealing with in modern in modernity, um, and this crisis of meaning unfortunately exacerbates tensions between human beings, um, turns us into more cynical beings. What do you mean when you say there's a crisis of meaning? Yeah, I mean, I think that we live in a very hyper commodified society and we lack a sense of inner autonomy and a sense of inner selfhood and a sense of um locus of control because everything is so mediated by how we're responding on social media a lot of us don't take the time to actually develop healthy relationships with ourselves as separate from how we interact on social media nor do we know that that such a thing is worth doing also there's so much about life in general, but certainly about social media that is fleeting. And if you are not able to recognize that and pull yourself out and depersonalize the interactions that you're having on social media and act as if everything on social media is somehow intrinsically uh, connected to your self-worth as a human being, that suggests a lack of a, uh, I would say a lack of a a locus of control, an internal locus of control, because everything that defines you is external as opposed to internal, as opposed to you having a deep sense of your self-worth. Let's move to the second principle in your set of ideas, which is use criticism to uplift, not to tear down. That is something most of us have to remind ourselves of, right? Yeah, certainly, including myself. I mean, <laughs> this is this is one of the hardest uh, principles to put into practice. Um, but what, where this comes from is actually in part understanding where or how extremism develops. Um, it's usually it's usually the internal insecurity that drives a lot of this. Um, and that insecurity combined with a measure of self-contempt oftentimes results in overcompensation for that self-contempt um, and leads to these individuals um, looking toward groups that will fill up their need for a sense of belonging or need for a sense of community um, et cetera, which is what we all human beings need, right? So if you know that this is a process by which people join extremist groups, for example, and it could be racially extremist groups, but it could also be gang gang members, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, the process works in the same way. If you understand this, then the way to intercept or preempt that process requires that you not uh, contribute to that level of internal insecurity by criticizing them in a manner that just uh, says that they're worthless, because then that will actually make the process by which they join these extremist groups more likely. You recently said, if we don't have the skill set to love ourselves, how can we love each other? And part of your mission is to teach people that skill set? Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is what we go over in the first third of the course. It's all about practice and self-love. Um, and to reiterate, James Baldwin argued about this uh, specifically in the context of, of uh, prejudice versus racial harmony. He said, um, he wrote about this in the 60s. He said, 
when white Americans, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, when white Americans learn to love themselves, there will be no more racism. And that's the point. <laughs> and that's one of the most profound points that he he made in, a lot, in most of his writings and something that we, um, I think, gloss over today or, or selectively ignore. It's like, yes, and this is, it's not true on the, only on the racial front, but in general, it's like the human condition. You cannot love other others if you are uh, not in love with yourself. And moreover, if you lack that love for yourself, the likelihood that you will lash out at others as a result becomes um, higher. And that leads us to your third principle, lead with love and compassion. How do we do that? So uh, the entire course is really a practice in this. And, uh, you know, we, we study Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, um, but we also study um, incredible uh, moments in history when, uh, in the aftermath of hatred and bigotry, um, love and reconciliation actually um, took over uh, because of uh, a few key decisions made by leaders in certain societies. So, for example, we studied the aftermath of the Rwandan genocide and how the Hutus and the Tutsis actually reconciled themselves with each other um, systematically, um, in part through a system of restorative justice um, that was implemented in that society. We studied the we studied the Disney film Moana, which is a beautiful representation of this, um, and we also studied other. Uh, elements of pop culture that reiterate this this importance of self-love and then agape love in general. Include We study, for example, Les Mis, which reinforces a lot of these teachings as well. But again, the entire course ends up being actually a lesson or a practice in how to love, um, but we just make it explicit when it comes to the third principle. There's so much hatred and division out there not mm-hmm. just on social media, but sometimes even in the streets. Yeah. But, but you say love is the answer and that we can learn how to love. You're devoting your life and work to this. Are you optimistic? Well, I think one has to be. <laughs> um, but I think that if I work in, in this direction, I'm more likely to achieve my, my goals and get other people to move in this direction um, than if I you know, were to just sort of be uh, passive about the whole thing. But actually, I, I do think that, you know, from the feedback that I've received and the um, uh, responses that I've gotten to Theory of Enchantment thus far, I think people are actually hungry for uh, a framework that is all about racial justice and police reform and all these very, very important issues, but that's rooted in the love piece for it. I think people are looking for it. So I'd say, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty optimistic. And I, I think ultimately it can, it can win and, and help us overcome some of, some of our mo- more base tendencies to descend into rage and to descend into violence and descend into otherizing and to overcome that. And to be able to contribute to that project is, is a real gift. And so I'm just, just really grateful to be able to do so. Chloe Valdery, I sure hope you're right. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. And Jim, before our conversation, it's our recommendation. What do you have for us this week? Well, you know I'm a big music fan, and my recommendation this week is a novel about music by David Mitchell, the writer who did The Cloud Atlas, The Bone Clocks, and a bunch of other wonderful novels. This takes place in the 60s, and it's about a a British rock and roll group that combines a little bit of jazz and progressive rock with 
a little folk influence. So maybe you would think about a band like Traffic or, or somebody like that. And he weaves in a lot of real life figures from the world of music, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton make little appearances and Joni Mitchell is makes a little appearance. It's just for a music fan. It's really fun. It's just a lovely novel. Utopia Avenue by David Mitchell. I love this concept of using both classical literature and philosophy along with the music of Beyonce and the Disney movies to teach some fundamental truths about the way we live our lives. Yeah, it's a really it's a great concept. It's very inclusive. She made a point at once that people have trouble understanding what's inside of them but sometimes they can see themselves reflected in entertainment. And I think this is maybe especially true for adolescents. It gives some, some models and some things to talk about to help realize that these values of, of rising above emotion and, and being more tolerant of others and more loving, that these are capacities they have. They may not have been developed yet. And this show is really a companion piece to the recent interview we did with Eric Weiner about his book, The Socrates Express, and this whole idea that in this anxious time, that philosophy and ancient wisdom can help us center ourselves, give us a, a better sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. Absolutely. Chloe is in a really interesting position of essentially arguing the opposite of what is being argued in a lot of progressive circles today. She's essentially put together an entire program to help people see themselves differently from that model. But when I asked her about it a couple of times, it's not something she necessarily wants to take on head on. It's not her style to go to the barricades and fight against ideas so much as to as to produce an alternate path that's more attractive and that it will, can win people over in a positive way. Yeah, and leading with love and compassion. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our producer is Miranda Schaefer. And this show is a production of Davies Content. Find out more about our podcast consulting at DaviesContent.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.